This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. I am, because I'm going to win this easily. But, yeah, I'm ready. Got to get my popcorn out here. Hold on, Alex. Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. And they hit on the money. Don't be stubborn. No Dude, doubt. Pressure and Wilson recognized it. Streak straight up the middle. Still spinning. Dives for the end zone. Touchdown. What a great run. His third rushing touchdown of the game. And that one took some skill. We are watching one of the best college football players in the country. That's Austin Nate. In one or two years of being there, who is going to be that guy? And for me, Dijon Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another That's Matt Bruning. General G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I am back to the back in the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And it's Thomas Fields on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello. Come on, the 51 yards. All right, Coach Moxley, get in here. Get in here. What did we get wrong? Uh, tonight was not your best night, possibly. Um, there were a lot of stats thrown around, so more propensity for air. Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back ranking. Uh, explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and it did, didn't it? No. And he does it all the time. He is an awful decision maker, that, and he's bad enough at it, but that, in my opinion, is not. I do think that it's going to be, I've got to continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up doing the job. He's going to be rated higher. Apologies to Kurt Kurt We ran out of time. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Mace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night. Good luck. It's 9.30 in the time zone without earthquakes. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusCant.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Nason, I'm Felix Sharp. On a rumbling version of tonight's show, who are the must-have players in the SEC West? Can Mike Leach work in the SEC? And is there any hope at all for DeMond DeMoss? But we start with Shohei Otani. Uh, uh, the comments made by Stephen A. Smith um, that stirred some controversy earlier this week. Chris Moxley you were pretty opinionated about um, what Stephen A. Smith had to say. Yeah, I, I, I was. I, I thought it was not only insulting to Otani, I thought it was also offensive. I think it's a mentality that a lot of people have about some of the game's international stars where 
speak English is is something told to a lot of immigrants um, and people who are coming over to play the sport. It's not the first time that this has happened in baseball within the last couple of years. It's a very common theme. And so I, I thought it was offensive to Otani, first of all. Second of all, I think he's just wrong. Um, having an international star is, is excellent for business. I, I think expanding the game's demographics to the Asian market is extremely valuable, right? The NBA spends billions of dollars trying to do that yearly. The NFL is trying to do it. Um, so like certain players market themselves exclusively in Asia because they know that it's a market that's valuable, right? There's a lot, there's billions of people um, across the Asian continent. And so having a Japanese star appeals to a lot of those people as, um, you know, he chooses to speak Japanese in his interviews, even though he knows English because he wants to appeal to the Japanese fan base. He, his English isn't perfect. I mean, he's lived in Japan for 24 years, but it's good enough where he could communicate, but chooses not to, he uses an interpreter. I think the thing with where Stephen A went wrong is I think he's factually inaccurate about marketing the game. I, I think the game can grow internationally and young stars love, 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 love Shohei Otani. This was the most watched home run derby in the last four years. And it peaked between 9.30 and 9.45, which is exactly when Otani and Juan Soto had their showdown. There is no factual evidence of what Stephen A said, and I think it was, frankly, offensive and incorrect. Yeah, and I, I agree with Moxley as the other baseball fan on this show, and I think it was almost ignorant of him to say that. I mean, he, he pretty much came out and defended himself almost right after he said that saying that because of, and I'm just going to be honest here, the color of his skin, he could not be racist in the comments and everything that he made, which I think is even more ignorant. And then to come out and kind of retract that statement in an, a video, like it was like a minute 20 video and a statement after that, where he kind of acknowledged he said wrong. And and where I agree with Chris is, I, and I'm going to ask you too, as Felix and Austin, neither one of you are really big baseball fans. Can you tell me who the best baseball player is in the MLB right now? Or even like, Two of the top five besides Shohei Otani? To take Jeez, I Mike Trout. Yeah. Okay, so you got two of the top five. I'll props to you, both of you. I don't think either one of you are gonna get it. How many commercials Vlad, do you Junior. see? Uh, how Vlad many do you Junior? see? How many commercials do you see Mike Trout in? Zero. If Mike I, Trout went and can't pick him out of a place, lineup, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know that most people would know so, who it is. Mike Trout, and don't get me wrong, I love Shohei Otani. He is the next Babe Ruth. In my opinion, Mike Trout is still the best player in baseball. Why aren't we talking about him not being in, in commercials? Why is Stephen A not criticizing MLB for not promoting him? Why? Because Mike Trout doesn't want to, which is the same as Shohei Otani. If you knew anything about Shohei Otani, if you looked into Shohei Otani's past, and Chris mentioned it, he lived in Japan for 24 years. Japan's baseball league is completely different than anything in America. They care about the team. It's not an individual sport. It is a team sport. You do not promote yourself over there. You promote the team. I guarantee you that is the same mentality that Shohei Otani brought over here. There is no issue with marketing the MLB to, as Austin, we talked about before the show. Yes, the fan base is an older generation, right? You're talking about upper 50s likely for the MLB fan base. But the other, the younger fans are all of Latin American heritage and Asian heritage, because those are the players that are succeeding now. The Fernando Tatis, the Vlad Jr., like you just talked about, Austin. Juan Soto, who is in the home run derby against Shohei Otani. Some of the best players are of Latin American heritage. None of those guys speak very well English, yet they're getting marketing deals in lower in Latin America parts of the world. They're still being promoted very well. So I don't think it's a Shohei Otani issue. I would say overall it's an MLB issue. I thought the way Stephen A. handled it and what he said was just – like I agree with Chris, completely wrong, ignorant, and 
it's offensive and stupid, if I'm being honest. I think he gets – he's paid to say the crap that he does, and I think he was like, I'm just going to say whatever the hell I want because I make millions of dollars, and it's not going to matter. And everybody's just going to be like, oh, it's just Stephen A being Stephen A, and it's a bunch of bullshit. Now, let me get one – let me just make one thing clear. The speak English part of Stephen A. Smith's comments I could d- disagree with uh, completely. My my dad's side of my family came to this country from Cuba. My dad is a first-generation American. Um, <clears throat> however, the, the gist of what he was trying to say is that baseball has a problem with developing its stars and specifically getting a, an emotional investment from American consumers in these stars. In other words, Baseball's stars are anonymous until they aren't. And and I think that that is a long-term problem for baseball. Uh, (laughs) Bruning, you mentioned the the league that he came from in Japan. That's the Nippon Professional Baseballs, uh, the specific league. He was specifically in the specific league, in the Pacific League. What... What's their DraftKings lineup? What's the DraftKings lineup uh, that you're going to pull from the Nippon Baseball League this week? I mean, what is uh, on FanDuel? What what players are we going to play in the Venezuelan Summer League? That's the league that Jose Altuve came from. When you compare baseball to bat, professional basketball and definitely to football, um, there is – we get to see these players develop and we get to understand their stories long before they become professionals. And for that reason, there's an emotional investment that the public makes into those players that just doesn't exist because of baseball's model. First of all, you get players from all around the country, but then even when you do, (laughs) they're in the minor leagues for a certain amount of time and they're anonymous until they become stars. Last year, if you asked Americans who Shohei Otani was, they wouldn't know. If you asked them who Trevor Lawrence was or Justin Fields, they would absolutely know. Well, in Bruning shaking his head, um, I had this conversation with someone on Twitter. Shohei Otani was one of the biggest free agent attractions, free agent signings, okay? Did that get any ESPN? Chris is shaking his head. What was the name of his team that he came from? Yes, it did get ESPN coverage. What was the name of his team that he played for? I don't know, and I don't care because he played in Japan. That, I don't well, care that's about what Japan. I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's the prop. That's the point. That's the you just said you don't care. That's the point that I'm that I think Stephen A. was making inarticulately is that, and you're a baseball fan, and you don't care. About the don't Japan care, League, I don't yeah, care. no. That'd so, be like when who was it that came right, from the CFL? On, was it on. Flutie? Let me let me just let me finish. So did you but care about Doug the, Flutie beforehand when the, he was in the CFL before he came to the NFL? No, you didn't. Don't pretend like no, you but, did. but Americans cared about Doug Flutie because he had the Hail Mary in college. That's the point that what I'm making. You had no emotional connection to Shohei Otani before he arrived in this I country. Did. And then you found out and then you found out about him. I think that that is a long-term problem for baseball. And if again, if we compare it to football. If you compare it to football, there's just no comparison because we are sitting here talking about the 2022 freshman class. These are high school seniors. You tell me who the best high school senior is in American baseball right now. You don't have to answer that question. It's rhetorical because you can't. And I'm telling you that that is the a long-term issue for baseball. You're also comparing baseball to the 
favorite sport of America. That's stupid. That's like going to Europe and saying, hey, I'm going to compare football to soccer. It's not going to stand up in any way whatsoever. That Isn't makes no sense to compare to be America's sport. pastime. It uh, used to be. It, nobody here's American arguing baseball that it had is. a 28-3 lead, and they blew it. They did. They're who, the Atlanta Falcons of the sports world. And and who talked about that being America's pastime right now, though? That has nothing to do with the conversation that we're having right now. I didn't say it's America's pastime. If you ask me, it's football. You go down to anybody on the street, they're going to tell you it's football. I'm not saying that baseball is that. I just agreed that I think it's a baseball issue, marketing. But what Stephen A. Smith is not saying, it has nothing to do with what Shohei Otani did when he came from Japan. If you watch baseball, you would know. He played in the baseball classic. People knew who Shohei Otani was before he came over to ESPN. When he was doing his tour around the U.S. trying to figure out where he was going to land, it was all over ESPN. Now, you guys may not have realized it because you two don't give two shits about anything outside of high school football, college football, and NFL football. Hate to break it to you. There's a whole world out here that actually does like other sports. Austin, you're a big fan of soccer. But you can't tell- say no, who no, no, the no, second best player is. There's a guy who came league, over from in, Europe yeah, or whatever. From. You would know about it. It's not. I don't care about the second. I don't care about if there was a European NFL or a European football league. I give two shits about it. You're making. I my don't point give two me. shits. Like you don't care, and that's what I'm saying is that what? people Wait. like you don't care, and that's a problem. The no. So nobody knew who Giannis Antetokounmpo was before he came over. He's one of the biggest stars in the NBA, right? Like, who is the second best player on his Greek team? Don't any. Who's the best player in the Greek his league? His brother, probably. Probably his brother or his other yeah. brother. Right. So like those those are emotional attachments that we don't have that the NBA is a much better it's much better at marketing international stars. The NBA is the best at marketing. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. It's just basketball attachments to these players. Basketball had LeBron James, whose games were on ESPN as a high school junior. You got Chris Paul, who we got to see who's playing in the finals now, who we got to see at uh, at Wake Forest. There's just no comparison because Giannis Antetokounmpo is not the face of the league, is not the face of the league. The faces of the league, Kevin Durant, we got to see him play at Texas. We even got to hear them talk about his time with P.J. Tucker at Texas. My point is is that in, 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 in both sports, in football and basketball specifically, there are players that we have been tracking for a very long time that we've spent money watching. We may have put them in a FanDuel lineup. You can play college DFS. You can't play DFS – in the for the Venezuelan summer league where Jose, Jose Altuve came from, you just can't. You can't set a lineup. That's the type of emotional investment that I think keeps customers interested in a sport for the long term. It's something that just doesn't exist in baseball, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Shohei Otani's ethnicity. So you are right. We do follow these players for a long time. You brought up Chris Paul and LeBron James. Everybody was watching Chris Bryant in high school. Everybody was watching Mike Trout in high school. Everybody was watching Bryce Harper in high school. You just bring up these like little little facts to try and make your point. And that's not true. I agree with you. And what Chris was just saying, basketball is, in my opinion, by far the best in marketing their stars from a marketing perspective. They're better than the NFL. Baseball struggles at that, but that's not a Shohei Otani issue. That is a baseball issue. Baseball should be able to market their stars better than what football does because guess what? Until the player is off the field on football, you don't know what they look like. They have a helmet on. Now, we know what Tom Brady looks like, Patrick Mahomes, because they've got these great big deals. You see Mike Trout's face every night when he steps on the field for the Angels. MLB does a poor job of marketing. That's not a Shohei Otani issue. It's just not. 
You say that we don't track these players and you're comparing two of the biggest sports in America to a sport that is not. Like Austin, I get what you're saying. Neither me or Chris, I think, are saying that baseball is still America's pastime. It's not. In my opinion, it's the fourth sport. I prefer soccer over baseball. But that's not a Shohei Otani issue. You're blaming Shohei That's not what Shohei Felix Otani. is saying. Felix is not blaming Shohei Otani. You're completely missing what Felix is saying. What is Felix saying? Um, Let's no. Let's move on from this one. Um, let us know what you think. Does baseball have a problem with the development of its stars? Um, what do you think about Stephen A. Smith's comments? Let us know at Debbie Debate at Gmail at Debbie Debate on Twitter. Uh, we could talk about this all all night if we wanted to, and we probably will talk about it in the after show. So keep keep uh, going with us. All right. Um, we gave away or tried to give away a Javante Williams jersey, but apparently. Um, Mr. Our uh, Mr. Raw uh, has not reached out to us, so we need to give that jersey away again. That's great for you guys because we are giving away the jersey again. We just appreciate um, the listenership and the five star reviews, and from time to time, we like to give away things. And Matt, are you are you um have has your blood pressure uh, uh, gotten to the point where you can do the role, or you do you need a, a minute? No, I'm good. So here we go. Got um, so I pulled out a couple of the people out of here. Obviously, uh, what was it Brandon and and PJ? So if you guys are watching or listening, you guys are no longer on here because you guys are a, a part of the site. Congratulations to Brandon. We just announced him yesterday. Uh, where do I go to do this again? Oh, here we go. All right. So, oh, I hope a good one. And the wheel is going. The wheel is spinning to pick our winner for the Javante Williams jersey. And it is Kenmar10. Kenmar10. Uh, I wish I knew who that was. But if you could reach out to us at DebbieDebate at Gmail or any one of us on Twitter, hopefully you're on Twitter, and you can reach out to us and we will get that Javante Williams uh, jersey to you. So Kenmar10, if you could reach out to us. All right. Um. Austin, I wanted to talk to you about Mario Williams here, and uh, I hadn't put a whole lot of thought into it. But you hate Mario Williams. You've been saying you've been talking about him on Campus to Kenton, uh, the Campus Life podcast. How much you hate him? And Colin is over there just co-signing with you. I think that I need to the same way I have a bet with Matt about Kyle Pitts. I need to have a bet with you about. Um, Mario Williams. Uh, I'm just not scared of that wide receiver depth chart. And I think that Mario Williams has inside out versatility to play multiple positions, even as a, as a freshman. Um, and it's funny on campus life, you had highlighted in the spring game, how he had a fumble and you know, this, uh, some other mistake he may have made. Well, he made those mistakes playing with the ones. <laughs> and I think that that shows that they're going to try to use him. Um, and that, those are mistakes that you should expect with a freshman. Austin, if I gave you 425 yards for Mario Williams, would you take the over or the under on that number? Under. Okay. I would take the over. So we, there was no Mike uh, Woods there. There was no Mike Woods there for the spring. That's true. That's true. And I that's think Woods, true. it's Woods, Mims, and then probably Weiss, I think are the three. That's starters. true. But, but Spencer Rattler could support three players um, with over 500 yards receiving. So I, we need to, I need to figure out what the bet is going to be, but let's use that number 425 yards receiving. And that's something that we'll pay attention to here moving forward. All right. 
Um, the bulk of tonight's show is previewing the SEC West. We finally got to the point where we say, hey, we need to talk about each of these conferences. And we're going to start with the SEC West. First, with Mississippi State, um, the question really is, is whether or not there's any fantasy-relevant players here. Will Rogers is probably going to be your starter at quarterback. They've got Sawyer Robins Robertson. Uh, the highest-rated recruit in the class. But he was not – I don't think he – was he there in the spring? I don't think he was there in the spring. Jack Abraham was running with the twos uh, during the spring game. Uh, one of Austin's favorites, Jaden Wally, should see a, a big bulk of the receiver uh, market share there. Um, but quite frankly, I don't I, – I still don't know yet whether he's in NFL – wide receiver, but he should be great for you on the college side of the campus uh, to Canton Leagues, as Austin articulated a few weeks ago, why Wally was one of his favorites. I do have two four-star wide receivers coming in in Theodore Knox and Antonio Harmon. There's also, they've also got one of my guys, a, a profile, like one, he's a three-star player. I think his last name is Buckholter, 6'3", 220 pounds. And so, um, He's a, a player that I'm, I'm paying attention to, but not someone you want to roster at this point. And then in the backfield, Jaquavis Marks is going to be catching a lot of passes. I don't know how much we can trust Mississippi State for Debbie purposes. I don't know if you want to have any of these players rostered for Debbie purposes, including Wally, who's probably um, their most desirable fantasy asset. So, uh, Mississippi State, um, we'll see. We'll see what year two is like for Mike, Mike Leach and company. Yeah, I I mean, I, I it's so hard to give people Debbie advice in terms of who you should roster and who you shouldn't because I, I play in a league that's one round Debbie every year. I've seen leagues that do 10 rounds every year. And a 10 rounder, yes, Jaden Wally should be rostered. And a one rounder, hell no never in a bajillion years. So I, it's really, really hard to give advice. I generally try to see, you know, like anything longer than three rounds each year. And, and really depending on how depleted it is, Wally is probably the only guy I want. I do think you're sleeping a little bit on Malik Keith who burned the shit out of me last year in a bunch of leagues that I have him in, but Riddler in our discord really, really likes him. Juco guy, big, big was supposed to start last year. I think he got injured a little bit. So I think he's one of the starters. Um, and then Dylan Johnson is the other running back there. I think he's just as talented as Jaquavius Marks. So just a couple nuggets of information that I felt like I wanted to toss out there. Is Mississippi State that could knock off Alabama this year? Could they give Alabama a run for their money? I don't think so either. I don't think so. I don't know that they're the most relevant team. Um, but Arkansas, Austin, has uh, kind of been a, an upstart, and they're, they continue to be on an upward trajectory. Yeah, I think they're uh, they, they could be anywhere between like four and eight and seven and five this year. I think is really their range. I have them at five and seven right now. Um, but I, I mean, they're they're building something there, in my opinion. You know, second year head coach Sam Pittman, former O line coach at Georgia, good recruiter, wants to run the ball. Last year they averaged thirty nine rush attempts per game as opposed to twenty eight passes. He wants to get the hog mollies up front. He wants to grind the ball. That old school SEC type offense is what he wants to run, which is good because their quarterback is a big question mark with KJ Jefferson there, who's a third year guy. Uh, they graduated Felipe Franks, who they brought in. 
because they didn't trust KJ Jefferson last year. So I don't know how much we trust KJ Jefferson. He's very much a, a rusher and not much of a thrower. The running back room is kind of where I think the most intrigue and question marks are in this roster going into the season. Traylon Smith, the big returner, but he's at 5'9", 190, more of a change of pace guy and definitely can't be the lead back, in quotes, for a team that wants to run the ball 40 times a game. But he's a good pass catcher, caught 22 passes last year, averaged over five yards per carry. So, I mean, he's a good player, uh, transferred in from Arizona State. The big question, I think, is going to be who's the guy with him. I think that's going to be Raheem Sanders, who I know Felix really, really likes. I know I really, really like. Matt, do you really, really like Raheem Sanders? Is this consensus? No? Okay, get out of here. Um, Matt doesn't like anything anymore. But go, go, ahead. go ahead. Matt burned himself out the first 10 minutes of the show. And now he's he's going to be like, yeah, um, my team was, was Texas A&M. He's giving um, us the silent treatment on a radio show. Um, Raheem Sanders, a number 14 athlete in last year's class, 6'2", 210 which is why I think he's the the obvious uh, Thunder Lightning guy here with Traylon Smith. They thought he'd be playing wide receiver. He got to camp. They really liked the ball in his hands. They named the guy Rocket, okay, like his first three days on campus. I'm pretty sure he's going to get touches this year. You don't just nickname some random kid Rocket. Like, uh, Yes, they, they really, really like him. And then they have A.J. Green, too, who was actually the seventh-rated athlete in the class. He's 5'11", 194, decent size. Um was not there for spring. So I think he's going to sit a year, but I think he's a guy you keep your eyes on uh, for him to do something in the future. Traylon Burks, the big name everybody knows. I'm not going to really talk that much about Traylon Burks. I've gushed about him. 6'3", 2'25", second team All-SEC receiver last year. Going to have another big year this year regardless. The big question is who's the second guy? They had Mike Woods, who we just talked about with Mario Williams there. He transferred out after the spring game, so I'm sure they really appreciated that. So who's going to be wide receiver two? It could be Trey Knox, who had that nice freshman year and eight games as a freshman. He went 28 for 385 and three. And then last year didn't do jack shit. And Sam Pittman even came out. Someone asked him and said, is Trey Knox injured? And he said, no, he's fine. That's not, not great. Um, 6'5", 209. He's the, the typical Arkansas big guy. So does he step in? I don't know. Uh, if it's not him, is it a, a I'm going to butcher this, Devion or Devion Warren, uh, who's a smaller senior who caught 15 balls for them last year. Is it Keytron Jackson, who's a true freshman, 6'2", 186. He was a four-star in this year's class. Or is it a tight end? They have Hunter Henry's brother there, Hudson Henry, who was a four-star. Big is 6'5", 255. Was not very productive last year. He's a third-year kid. They have a tight end named Kern as well, who I know nothing about, but he caught a few balls last year. But I really think for this for this team to hit the the seven or eight wins, they need a second guy to step up. So that's going to be the question for them this year. KJ Jefferson showed flashes last year uh, against Missouri. Uh, I feel like everybody showed flashes against Missouri, but um, KJ Jefferson definitely did, and he does have that dual threat ability, and he he's ag- aggressively throws the ball downfield, and that's easy when you've got Traylon Burks. But uh, uh, Adam Lewis is someone who's high on KJ Jefferson as a sleeper. Um, and I like that too. Um, once the thing that's significant that should be noted about Raheem Sanders is that he has not, he's number five for Arkansas. And I don't know that that's something that should be taken lightly given the history of that number with, um, is that Darren uh, McFadden's number? That's Darren McFadden's number, um, with the Razorbacks. So, and, and then the other interesting thing, as you noted, is, is, well, there was a point, I think their freshman years where, 
uh, Traylon Burks and Trey Knox had similar value. <laughs> Trey <laughs> Knox was higher value. rated. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and as you said, he didn't do anything, but um, it'll be interesting to pay attention to that as we go forward. Um, Matt, what do you got with Auburn? All right, so I've got Auburn. I went through and looked at like to their, the show, by the way. Welcome, their schedule welcome the and everything um, for the for the preview here. So I, I went through and looked at. I think I've got them going like seven and five this year. They've got two big swing games early on in their season. I think could lead to a better season, uh, but I have them losing both of those right now. That's Penn State in week three, which I think could be a really good game, and then LSU in week five. Really, kind of depending on how LSU looks, I do think they're a team that could bounce back this year. So Auburn brings in new head coach Brian Harson, know mostly for his time at Boise State. He comes into a team with some interesting Debbie and C two C assets moving forward. Auburn is a team that at times sneaks up on their opponents in the SEC, though I don't see that happening this year, as I just talked about uh, with what I think their schedule is going to do. So obviously the big name here is Bo Nix, junior quarterback. He seems to kind of be a punching bag for a lot of people in the Debbie community. I'm not completely going to write him off, though. Austin and myself talked about this. It may have been a couple episodes ago, I think on the after show that Gus Malzahn has really not developed a QB, and I don't think his offensive system is very good for quarterbacks. And I'm not trying to say that Bo Nix is good. I don't have him as like 1.1 in the NFL draft like PFF does, but I would not be surprised if with a new coaching staff and a new offense that I do think is better suited for his skill set that we see more of good Bo than bad Bo in 2021. I think Bo finishes as a top 40 player at his position in fantasy this year. His current consensus rank for us is 66. He's my QB 59, and his ADP is 212 right now uh, as our current ADP just dropped. Uh, next up for the RB room, I talked. Uh, got a little bit on Tank Bigsby and Sean Shiver. So I don't think Shivers does much, but he might be worthy if Tank Bigsby gets hurt. Bigsby is obviously going to be the guy, though. What we've seen from Harson in the past, Bigsby could be in for a huge season. Arson has helped guys like Halani, Alexander Madison, Jay Ajayi, and Jeremy Nichols all succeed not only at the college level, but the latter three ended up in and on NFL teams. Bigsby is a beast. He already has the NFL size and is elusive and a fairly decent pass catcher as well. He's got a nasty dead leg and is a very patient runner. Bigsby is going to smash this year, likely as a top 10 running back for fantasy and is most likely at worst going to be the third running back off the board in the 2023 class. His site rank right now is five with an ADP of 8.25, the fourth running back off the board in C2C leagues. Uh, then last for the wide receiver, so Elijah Canyon, the sophomore, 6'4", 214. He's got good size, decent speed. I think he leads the group here. If Knicks does improve, like I expect him to take a couple steps forward, I think this is definitely going to help Elijah Canyon. I think he could get up to about 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, he was just short of or maybe just a little bit. I think he was like six 700 last year. So I think he could get up to 1K this year. You've got Javarius Johnson, the sophomore. He's on the smaller side, 5'9", 180. I don't see him having a massive season, probably a guy to avoid altogether. And then a guy that I, I like. Um, I think uh, I stash him on some of my C2C leagues. I think he could have a bright future, though. Not good that he hasn't, you know, crossed Jarek's magic line yet in year one. Uh, but I do think he could possibly take over the number two role, and that's Kobe Hudson. He's an all-around athlete. and saw limited time last season. Uh, like I said, I do think he could take a jump forward this year. He's probably irrelevant when it comes to fantasy this year, but as Austin mentioned in some deeper Debbie leagues, I do think that he could be a stash and a guy as well in C2C leagues. You can grab really late in your things. I don't even think he's on our ADP chart. So he's not going anywhere in like the top 300 plus uh, that I think could get five, six, 700 yards receiving this year. Uh, and I think is a, is a worthy stash on your rosters. Um, 
you know, we had to qualify what constituted a breakout last year somewhat uh, because of COVID-19 and, and freshmen not getting players. But Elijah Canyon was one of those guys who did nothing, did nothing. And then in a bowl game went, what, like three for 80. And you kind of saw his stock jump. Same with Brennan. I mean, ben, Brennan Presley had a, a monster game. But um, Canaan kind of has that traditional uh, uh, Auburn wide receiver look and um, – uh, he could be next up there. We go over to Mississippi with Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and Matt Corral. Um, the the He's going to be the straw that turns the drink there. Could potentially be a top 15 pick uh, in next year's class. His backup, or one of the backups, Luke Altmyer. I think he's someone that you really need to pay attention to if Corral makes the jump to uh, to the NFL next year. But the question is, is, Who's he going to throw the ball to? Um, people are very high on Jonathan Mingo, given his size-speed combination. He was someone that I would actually gravitate towards. But Mingo has done absolutely absolutely nothing after having like a good first game last year. Uh, it was Elijah Moore last year. And then in looking at the spring game, it looks like it's going to be Braylon Sanders, um, uh, who is, is, who's going to be Matt Corral's uh, darling. So Braylon Sanders is the – one to get there. Um, Jerron Ely and Snoop Connor make up the backfield, and I'm not sure, exactly sure, as productive as Jerion Ely can be. I don't know that either one are, 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 are a player that I'm gravitating towards in any format. I think it's Ely um, that – that uh, I think Ely's just, just too small, and so the only person that I'm really looking to roster here is – Corral relatively early in C2Cs and maybe Braylon Sanders late, uh, given how productive he's it looks like he's going to be in that system. Um, but I don't know if again, I don't know if he's an NFL player just yet. But he's a he's also a senior, so it would seem that he's given that he's not really broken out to this point, that he's not an NFL player. Um Ole Miss gave uh, Alabama a run for their money last year. I don't know if they have the fire. Uh, power to do that again this year, but Alabama might be down, so um, you could could see them uh, perhaps upset uh, the Crimson Tide. Yeah, um, LSU. Um, I think <laughs> they they're they're mostly a team in transition here. Um, you know, they still have their head coach in, at Ordron. Uh, who, you know, obviously they won a national championship two years ago. But other than that, when I sat down to actually do this preview, I was like, they literally have a question mark at every single position. We don't know who's going to be the quarterback yet. Miles Brand started off the year last year, uh, then got hurt, and they cycled through a you know, TJ Finley played a couple games, and then eventually Max Johnson. Finley transferred out this offseason. We thought Brendan was just going to step back into that job, but at the start of spring happened. Ordron said this is an open competition. They split snaps 50-50. Some days Brennan took them first. Some days Johnson took them first. And then in the spring game, they, they kind of shuffled them back and forth between the teams with the ones and the twos. So not a great indication there as to who's going to be the starter. I'm not sure I really love pro potential for either of them, but obviously whichever guy wins that job is probably worth something in a C2C because their new offensive coordinator is a Joe Brady disciple obviously won the national championship with them as their offensive coordinator a couple years ago. Beyond that, at running back, again, Who's starting? We have no idea. Probably Tyrion Davis Price, 6'1, 232, bit of a, you know, hulking, you know, not super dynamic guy. Steady Eddie, I guess would be the way to describe him, which is good considering they have a lot of uncertainty there at the other running backs. 
Um, but he he's nothing special. I I I don't think he's worth rostering in a in a Devi. And there are other starting running backs I prefer in a C two C. John Emery, the biggest name in the backfield, former five star guy, got a lot of hype coming out of high school. Five eleven two fifteen has done virtually nothing. He's flashed a couple times here or there. I still think he is probably the most talented back there. Can he put it together? I'm very much doubting it at this point, uh, you know, three years out from, from coming out of high school. Um, but he will get touches this year. Or does a freshman take the job? You know, they have Corey Kiner and Armani, Good- Armani Goodwin coming in. Uh, Kiner, RB10 in the class, Goodwin, RB7. Kiner is, C- is, looks a lot like CEH. They're built very similarly. They move pretty similarly. I'm not quite comping him to that level of a player, but I can see, you know, what's going on there. And Ordron praised him a lot this offseason. Goodwin... Five eight one ninety. He's a little slighter, so I'm not sure he's ever a bell cow, but he could steal some touches as well. Uh, wide receiver, they have Keishon Boutte, who will start and who will catch forty percent of the balls there at minimum. But then, other than that, is it Coy Moore that's along with him? Is it um, is it one of the freshmen? You know, Deion Smith, Chris Hilton. Is it Jare Jenkins? You know, they they run a lot of three wide receiver stuff, so there's got to be room for somebody. Just good luck guessing who it will be. Austin, a lot of people in the Debbie community like Dion Smith. Why him over Brian Thomas or any of the other um, LSU freshman receivers? I'll be honest. I, I mean, I, Thomas has gotten zero buzz out of the camp there. So for me, right away, that fades him. Smith, Smith brings a little something that they don't have on that roster. Um, he's... Big athletic. He kind of reminds me a lot of Terrace Marshall, to be completely honest. So I think he brings a skill set that nobody else has. And Chris Hilton is just fast. Like I think they both have a role that they could play, whereas Brian Thomas is just a tall guy. I'm not really sure what he brings to that team that the other two don't. So I think Thomas maybe never really plays there, to be honest. Well, that's uh that sucks because he was a player that I was really um uh, I liked his his high school film. That brings us to Alabama. Uh, talk about a team in transition. You've got a new offensive coordinator. You've got new skill position players everywhere. Um, but they uh, they don't rebuild. They just reload at Alabama. Um, Bryce Young has to be the odds-on favorite to be the second quarterback ta- uh, taken uh, in the 2023 draft. Could potentially overtake DJ Uyunglele. Um, at that quarterback position, I'm really interested in Jalen Milrow. You, you have to believe that he is not going to be a player that gets um, very much playing time at Alabama, but he is talented. Austin, I know that you are uh, uh, relatively high on Jalen Milrow. At running back, Brian Robinson, who's been there all uh, for four years, it appears that he's going to be the starter. Um, but Jace McClellan is there, and so is Roy uh, Dell Williams. Um, McClellan, obviously, being the one that we have ranked the highest at campusdecant.com. I believe he's in our top 10, caught six passes in the spring game, but primarily run, ran with the twos, um, which was a little bit. Uh, of a, raised a little bit of a question given that uh, Williams was running ahead of of McClellan. And then obviously Trey Sanders uh, is is still there, who's been a, a highly rated guy. And then we didn't even mention Kamar Wheaton, like Kamar Wheaton, another five-star guy um, who was not there in the spring um, but can m- make noise. I think the most exciting thing about Alabama going into this season is their, their freshman wide receivers. Um, JoJo Earl is – 
going to be one of my favorite players to watch in the entire country. And you've got Ja'Cory Brooks, Christian Leary um, to go with, uh, obviously, John Mechie and Javon Baker there. But I, I think that um, Earl and uh, Guy Hall, I think that they're going to make some noise for that team um, uh, er, er, early on. And I think Bryce Young is going to be a, a good one to watch, but we got to see if – if Bill O'Brien can create the same mag- magic that Steve Sarkeesian had. Um, that is Alabama. I don't know if there's anything left to be said about Alabama, Austin. You're shaking your head. or I thought you were about no. to say that. that's it, and I was going to say, yeah, we skipped the team. <laughs> but I see what you're we, – We skipped – Oh, oh, my – You skipped Texas A&M. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Go ahead, Matt. What do you got for A&M? All right, so on the Aggies, uh, same thing with uh, Auburn. I went through their schedule, and I actually have them coming out at 11-1. and one. I believe they have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball, and this is the perceived down year for Alabama, as uh, Felix was just talking about. So I think if the Aggies want to take advantage of that and win the SEC title, this is their best chance to do it. I do have them winning the matchup against Alabama in Week 6. And overall, they don't have a tough schedule outside of that. They have easy in, uh, easy opponents in between every one of their big matchups, though they do always struggle somewhere on their schedule. They do have a, a freshman or a, a quarterback who has not started yet in Haynes King with Kellamon going to the NFL. Uh, so I do think Ole Miss is probably going to be that team. While I like the Aggies' defense, I don't know if their offense can keep up with a team like Ole Miss so if they're able to kind of jump on them. I think Ole Miss can end up riding out and getting that win. Uh, This is the fourth year of Jimbo Fisher's head coach for the Aggies, and you could argue that this is the most talented team he's had in those four years. He's talented on both sides of the lines, weapons all over the offense and defense. The The only real question they have is the quarterback, and will that position hold them back? Uh, So Haynes King, I believe, is the one who is going to win the job for the Aggies. Um, Ironically, when it comes to passing, I do think he's a little bit like Kellen Mond. I think he has the higher ceiling, but I think he's a little bit raw as a passer. Uh, Definitely has a higher rushing upside and athleticism. Makes him a very intriguing Debbie and fantasy option. If he improves as a passer with his rushing upside, I do think he has a chance to be a decent QB2 for C2C leagues, and his ceiling is that of an NFL player. His ranking currently on our site is 27, uh, and his ADP is 104.25. He's the 24th quarterback off the board. Not only do the Aggies have one of the best running backs in college, but they also have a very loaded room. Isaiah Spiller, the junior, is a player loved by most at our site, campusdecant.com. He is sitting at RB3 overall in our ranks and then coming off the board at an ADP of 7.75 is the third RB off the board. He has, as uh, Colin and Austin said recently, size-adjusted athleticism. His leap forward from his freshman to his sophomore season was incredible. He's a good receiver, great burst, incredible lateral agility. Overall, just a very complete back. He lacks that breakaway speed, but will likely produce as a high-end running back in college and be one of the top two picks uh, at running back in the 2022 class. You've got Devin Achain, the sophomore, should be the main backup. I do think he gets a decent amount of work this year as well, assuming that they allow Anai Smith to play more wide receiver than running back, but he's a versatile weapon who can go both ways. Uh, Achain is extremely fun to watch. He's got a ton of speed and elusiveness in his game. He's a good receiving threat as well. Achain, I think, will have a decent season, hoping he can get um, that 40 carries that Anais got last year. Achain got as well. If he could get close to those 80 uh, carries this year, I think he could be in for a decent season and a guy to kind of buy now because I think he could be in for a massive junior season next year once Spiller goes to the NFL. Then you have Anais Smith, the junior. He's kind of the jack of all trades. He should be one of the main targets 
targets in the receiving game if he plays most of the time there, but he does have the versatility enough to play at running back at a fairly high level. Smith gets carries as well, um, who likely get carries as well. He had 43, I think it was, last year, so he, he will likely get some more again this year. He's elusive. He has above-average speed, and I think he will stay in college next year as well to kind of refine himself becoming a wide receiver, but I am not sold on his NFL future, so he's a guy I think is more likely going to be a C2C or college asset this year and next year. He's ranked at, interestingly enough, he's ranked at wide receiver 29 on the site, but he's coming off um, on our ADP at 102 as the 33rd RB off the board. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, obviously, the guy that everybody loves with the Aggies that we have not seen really anything from is DeMond DeMoss. He was once the very exciting wide receiver, uh, which is a little bit worrisome now. As a redshirt freshman, DeMoss still has all the ability in the world to be a superstar. Catch radius, speed, ridiculous athleticism. But will we get to see it this year? Let's hope so. We've continued to get less than optimistic reports out of college station but once the season kicks off they don't really have anybody else in that room I think Damas can kind of start to, to take control of that room and become the guy who would be a welcome addition to an already loaded offense and I think can really help out Haynes King he is ranked 52 right now at the site with an ADP of 69.5 24th R wide receiver off the board then there's Chase nice. Lane a sophomore I'm sorry what you said nice Gotcha. Uh, Chase Lane, the sophomore, I do expect him to get some work if DeMoss doesn't start the season. I'm not that high on him. I do know that there are some. Maybe he's a low-end dart throw in C2C leagues, as he should get some work and produce early if DeMoss does not end up taking that job. And last but not least on this offense, Jalen Weidermeyer, the junior tight end, is likely the top tight end off the board in the 2022 draft, assuming he comes out. He should be focal point of the passing attack. Weidermeyer has great hands and does it all. He should produce as a high-end tight end in college this year, as well as having an NFL future. He is currently ranked three at tight end for the site with an ADP of 59.75, the third tight end off the board. I, I accidentally took DeMond DeMoss in a league and I it's still it's still bothering me. I had auto draft on and I would and then like it was the pick before me and I was just trying to shuffle through my queue and I put Damas up there. I was like, oh he's somebody I need to pay attention to. And then he auto selected him and I was like I you know I was like okay I'm fine with that. But then after thinking about it I'm absolutely not fine with fine with that at all. Um I, I wish I could trade him. Is there do we have any indication for why as athletic as he, I mean, you know, 44-inch vertical, 4-5-40, didn't play football the last two two years now. Um, is that why he didn't play last year? Because he didn't play as a senior in high school? I mean, everything I read was just he's raw. He, he's not that good of a route runner. Like, he's got all that athleticism, but he's not a wide receiver. But, I mean, I think you can say the same thing about Julian Fleming when he, when he showed up at, at Ohio State. I don't know if it's – you know, even as a junior, he was probably by far the best athlete on the field anytime he stepped on the field, so he didn't have to maybe learn the nuances of the position that some of these other guys did. I know there's been some of the off-field stuff. I, I don't – I'm going to be honest, I haven't dug deep into that. I know there was some talk about it, some stuff he was doing off-field. There was a lot of talk that he might transfer at one point because of that stuff. So I think Jimbo is one of those guys that unfortunately maybe a little bit – comes from the Saban tree, right? Like once you get in his doghouse, it's kind of hard to get out of. So that's my biggest fear with him is maybe he's not doing anything wrong at any, at this point, but Jimbo is just kind of holding it against him right now. And so he's, he's not getting any playing time. That was last year. Obviously that could completely change this year. It's, it's one of the things I'm most 
looking forward to with this team is if he can get out there, I think Texas A&M, if Haynes King can get it right, is going to have a very, very good offense. He, he's scary. Um, he should be. He should be the best athlete uh, sitting on the uh, getting on the field, even in college, um, with the numbers that that we saw him put up. At least the athletic numbers. Uh, and then Texas A&M doesn't have a wide receiver from that depth chart from you know from last year that makes you say, oh well, he was sitting behind so and so. So that's um, I'm very very upset to have rostered um, Demond Demas in least in one league as early as I picked him. Um, Matt, who you got winning the coach of the year in the SEC? It's got to be Saban, right? No, if Jimbo Fisher beats him, I'm taking Jimbo Fisher. I, I am. I'm sure we'll get close as we get closer to the season. We'll talk about all this stuff. I do have Texas A&M winning the SEC this year. I think this has got to be their year. Their defense is loaded. If they can just, I know they didn't come close to beating Alabama last year, but if they can kind of do it with Bryce Young, maybe rattle him a little bit, and they can get that win. I think if Jimbo wins the SEC, he becomes coach of the year. Austin, who would you say is the most undervalued Debbie slash C2C asset in the SEC West? I mean, there are a lot of players um, to choose from. I know I have my favorite, but who? But who's yours as far as underrated uh, asset in this in this in this division? I think it has to. No, I'm not. I think it. Ha- hi, you thought you got me. Um, <clears throat> I think it has to be somebody that's on. Auburn because I think that offense is going to pick up with Harson there over the next year or two. And as I always talk about and why I prefer winning a lot on college side of a C2C is because a lot of the time production begets draft capital, especially at a school like Auburn. I think if they come out this year and have a much improved passing attack, whoever the wide receiver one ends up being Elijah Canyon or, um, I, I think Canyon is probably the guy that ends up being the way. Like, I think that is a guy that could be going in the first two rounds of startups next year if that offense looks more explosive and he has a nice year. Um, so I'm going to say that that he is the 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 guy that is the the most underrated on this side of things. I don't have an objection, but I'm going to say it's Slade Bolden. Everyone thinks that Slade Bolden's spot is just going to be taken by these freshmen, but Slade Bolden is going to play the slot there for Alabama. He's going to return kicks. He's going to be doing a lot for that team, and it might not be sexy, but he's someone you can absolutely get at the end of C2C drafts and plug him in. That's still going to be an explosive offense, and there are not a lot of established options outside of Mechie and, uh, and and Billingsley and him being in the slot, he could be a very easy um, uh, target there for Bryce Young. Do you think Bernie, he's an NFL guy, though? I mean, Hunter Renfro's an NFL guy. You know what I mean? So, I mean, not to compare him to a white guy, but he's a slot receiver who is 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 going to – I think he should get production. And you just said production drives draft capital. Um, maybe. I think he could be a – maybe. I don't know that we know yet. But you know, I wouldn't. I would not put. I, I wouldn't put it out out of possibility that he could be an NFL guy. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with the same team. I'm a title back around to the Buckeyes because if I didn't talk about them at least once a show, this wouldn't be the debut oh, debate. Jamison Williams. Williams. Why not? I mean, I know Felix loves him. You just talked about. I don't know if any of those freshmen really go in there and take any of those jobs this year. I really don't. If Jamison Williams is their deep threat, if we all believe in Bryce Young being this dude that we all talk about him being, 
Jamison Williams is going to be the guy that goes deep and is going to get the ball. He's 6'2", 188. He's got good speed. If he goes out there and has a really good year, I mean, do I think he's going to get – like he's not going to have that Devonta Smith season, right? He's not going to win a Heisman, go first round. But he goes out there and says puts up – a thousand yards, couple touchdowns, looks really good in that offense. You're going to tell me someone's not going to draft him? They will because he produced at Alabama against SEC defenses. Was at Ohio State? Like that's going to matter to some NFL team. He's going to get draft capital. So I'm, and Jameson Williams going what like three hundredth in our ADP? The guy who's going to be on one of the more explosive offenses in college and in the SEC. I, I'd take him. Jameson Williams should have gone to Ole Miss. I mean, I think he would have been perfect for for Ole Miss. Um, we talk about underrated players. Austin, who is the most overvalued asset in in this division? It has to be Jerry and Ely. It has to be Jerry and Ely. I almost said Tank Bigsby to be like a, hot, a little hot takey, um, but it's Ely, who is 180 pounds soaking wet. He's not going to get any bigger. He's not that great of a football player. He's fine. I don't understand like just the, the hype around him for a guy when the NFL just showed us that they don't want guys that are 185 pounds to then take this guy that you have to spend an early pick in Debbie leagues. He's like a, you know, a fourth round guy or whatever. And in C2Cs, I think he goes top six or seven rounds at the minimum. Um, he's, he's a perplexing one to me. Um, and he's not even like, I don't even know if he's like, they have Snoop Connor. Like you said, they have other backs on that team. They have Henry Parrish. They have other backs. I, he's not even going to get like – he's not a bell cow. I don't know. I, there's nothing there that's appealing at all. I was afraid it was another running back in Jace McClellan um, because of where he was He was playing with the twos uh, in the spring game, even though Brian Robinson didn't play, and Brian Robinson is projected to be the starter. And um, and Roydell Williams was, was running with the ones there, but that's going to be a committee. Jace McClellan was the second leading rusher for that team last year. So, um, and he showed his versatility in the spring game. So I don't have a problem with, uh, with Jace McClellan. I think Ely is the pick here. Yeah, I, I agree with Austin. Just to, I was in a couple of Debbie mod drafts recently with the destination Debbie crew. And he's been going in like the fifth or sixth round of 10 round Debbie league. So, and I still think that's way too early. I mean, I was looking at it just right here. I mean, Felix, your guys, Amir White went behind him. Kamaro Edmonds, Kobe Pace, Kamar Wheaton, Austin Jones, Rashad White, Donovan Edwards, Marshawn Lloyd went behind him. I mean, I would take almost every single one of those guys over Jerry on Ely because I think they've got more upside. Now, I'll go a little bit uh, – I'll stick with uh, – I'm going to go with Matt Corral. Um, and I only say that because I don't believe he's got quite this NFL future that everybody else does. So if you're really looking at him to just be this college producer, like right now in the past couple mocks and everything that we've been doing, uh, that PJ's been doing, he's going ahead of guys like Malik Willis and other college producers that I think you can get later. I, just, I don't think Marat Cal, Matt Corral is going to be that guy. I would not take him in the end of the third, early fourth, like where he's going. So for me, he's the most overvalued. Let us know what you think in the audience. Um, most overvalued C2C slash Debbie asset in the SEC West. Who's overvalued? Who's undervalued? Who do you have to have on your roster um, uh, from the SEC West? And next week we'll cover the SEC. We'll cover the SEC East. Austin, what do you got? And if you want to draft any of those players, but in a hypothetical setting, then boy, do I have the place for you. We are constantly running these C2C mocks over at the website at campusdecanton.com. If you're interested in doing one, please feel free to reach out to me, to the Campus to Canton uh, Twitter page or whatnot, or 
um, PJ runs dynasty. PJ runs our mock drafts. You can reach out to him as well. Um, so there you go. There's a little plug for everybody tonight. Chris Moxley. Uh, we were good today, right? Weren't we? Let's bring him in here. Cro- fingers, you, fingers crossed. You were good today. I, I don't have anything to complain about from a stats perspective. Y'all were good. You I mean, not a lot of stats. So Matt did give us the good. silent treatment through the show. For, so, um, I mean, that's uh, you could have knocked him down. I think we got one thing wrong tonight. Well, Chris got one thing wrong tonight, and you can only visually see it. And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Check out all the content around the Campus to Canton family, including uh, our latest article, Stock Watch Class of 2018 QBs by Matt Fox, College Football Win Totals by Alfred Hernandez, and, of course, check out the Campus to Canton podcast ch- channel, which includes Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, Why Wait Till Sunday, and, of course, Debbie Debate. But that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time talking about the SEC West, but we will get you rescheduled soon, Kurt. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Info caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro! And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.